Greetings in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The sacrifice code. The sacrifice code. I'm just going to get into the word as soon as possible because I know time is very, very limited. I have two and a half years worth of stuff to say to you. Let me see if I can use the time that I have. We are going to look at something that is familiar to each and every one of us. Sacrifice is something each of us believes that we do. All of us have this assumption that we sacrifice something. Uh, parents believe that they sacrifice for their children. Uh, spouses believe that they sacrifice for their partner. Employees believe that they sacrifice for their employers, and so on and so on. But at the same time, we live in a generation where Big Brother is always watching and we give him information. That means that we not only sacrifice in private, but we get to the place where we sacrifice in public. Let me say, first of all, thank you, Pastor Henry, for allowing me to be a part of this series. And happy birthday, by the way. May the Lord bring increase and favor into your life. And may he give you somebody that will bother you in a godly way. Let me pray with you one more time. Let me pray with you one more time. Heavenly Father, here we come again. Hands open, cups empty. Fill them, Lord. We are not here to listen to Pastor Sam. We are here to listen to Jesus. Speak, Father. We are listening. The Sacrifice Code. The Sacrifice Code. It, it's an interesting series. Pastor H and I have uh, been having a lot of fun discussing the possibilities of where this can go. I'm going to try to take my time. It's, it's been a minute. I've been talking to people outside Indonesia, and I'm trying to slow down and be able to communicate. I'm excited to be here. Uh, you look like ninjas right now with the masks, but I see some of you. Praise the Lord that you're here. May the Lord speak to each of us today. Help me out, Pastor. This is not working. I want to calm your nerves. I'm not here to talk about the sacrificial system. I'm not here to describe to you how God instructed them to cut open the animal and take out the insides and separate the limbs and burn it on the altar. That's not what we're here to do. This is not going to be a doctrinal exercise on the sacrificial system. It's going to be worse. It's going to be about your life. I apologize in advance if I say something that makes you uncomfortable. But as all preachers say, if you can't say amen, say ouch. It's okay. But after going through a pandemic, after going through all the mess, sometimes we need a word that lights a fire underneath us sometimes. Amen, somebody. And that's what I have brought to you today. I'm going to try to be nice because I'm apparently a nice guy sometimes, but I want to give you a word. Pastors borrowed me the pulpit for a little bit. I want to use that time wisely. Let's get into it. Unauthorized sacrifice. Unauthorized sacrifice. The reasons and motivations for sacrifice are just as, if not, more important than the sacrifice itself. Simply put, it's not about what you sacrifice. It's not about how much you sacrifice. It's why you sacrifice. I hear people say it all the time. I talk to couples. Pastor, I do more for her than she does for me. I do more for him than he does for me. I've done so much for my kids, but they are so ungrateful. Sacrifice. What is the motivation? What is the drive? 
Before I read the text for today, I want to make a distinction so that we're clear what I'm talking about this morning. There are two expressions or phrases I want to throw at you. The first one is an unacceptable sacrifice. And the second one is the title of the sermon, Unauthorized Sacrifice. It seems like they're the same, but they're not. An unacceptable sacrifice is one where God wants you to sacrifice, but you sacrifice the wrong thing. An example is Cain. The first ever sacrifice by a human being recorded in scripture is that of two brothers, the first siblings ever, Cain and Abel. Abel brought an animal, Cain brought fruit and vegetables. Abel's sacrifice was accepted, but Cain's was not. Why? Because he brought the wrong thing. An example of an unauthorized sacrifice is in the sermon today, but I want to give a quick example. The golden calf. That story in the book of Exodus, when the people became impatient of waiting for Moses to come down from the mountainside. Moses is up on Sinai receiving instruction from God. But instead of waiting for Moses, the people get antsy. They need a representation of God. They force Aaron to create something for them. He creates a golden calf. It was an unauthorized sacrifice. Because sometimes you don't need to sacrifice. You just need to wait on God. Amen. Nobody. Open your Bibles. Open your Bibles to... 1 Samuel, chapter 13. 1 Samuel, chapter 13. That is where our scripture will be found, and that is where I will be preaching from. 1 Samuel, chapter 13, I'm reading from the new King James Version, for the sake of emphasis. But y'all know me, I love the NLT. But today is the NKJV. I'm reading from verse number 7. All the way down to verse number 15. Here's what the word of the Lord says. And some of the Hebrews crossed over the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. As for Saul, he was still in Gil Gilgal and all the people followed him trembling. Then he waited seven days according to the time set by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. And so Saul said, bring a burnt offering and peace offerings here to me. And he offered the burnt offering. Now it happened as soon as he had finished presenting the burnt offering, that Samuel came and Saul went out to meet him, that he might greet him. And rather than being happy, Samuel says to him, what have you done? Saul said, when I saw that the people were scattered from me, and that you did not come within the days appointed, and that the Philistines gathered together at Mishmash, then I said, the Philistines will now come down to, on me in Gilgal, and I have not made supplication to the Lord. Therefore, Saul says, I felt compelled. I forced myself and offered a burnt offering. Verse number 13, and Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. 
you have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people. Because you have not kept the word that the Lord commanded you. The Bible says in verse number 15, Then Samuel arose and went up to Gilgal to Gabir of Benjamin. Saul numbered the people present with him, about 600 men. We are talking about sacrifice today. We are talking about sacrifice today. But in particular, unauthorized sacrifice. Each of us, in one way or another, we are guilty of unauthorized sacrifice. The main character slash villain in our text is King Saul. We are introduced to him in the Bible. He is not a king. In fact, he is the son of a wealthy farmer who takes care of, the King James says, asses, but I'm going to use donkeys so you don't feel uncomfortable. The Bible tells us in 1 Samuel chapter 9 that the first time we meet Saul, he is looking for the donkeys that have been lost. On his way to look for the donkeys, he encounters the prophet Samuel. Samuel is the judge over Israel. This passage is a transition between the time of the judges and the time of the kings. The time of the judges was full of extremities. On one end, when the people were disobedient, they went all out. One of the worst passages ever recorded in scripture is in the book of Judges. A group of men rape a woman until she dies. Her family cuts her body into 12 pieces and sends them to the 12 tribes as a protest, as a cry for this heinous crime. That's how bad the time of the judges were. When they were good, a hero was called upon, a Gideon, a Samson, a Deborah, a whoever. They came onto the scene and when they worshipped God, they did it so much that we read about them in the scriptures. This is the time that Saul has been called to be king. Reluctantly, God has agreed that the nation have a king and reluctantly, Saul has agreed to be the first king of the nation. But when Saul is anointed as king, a few days later, the prophet wants to introduce him to the people. And when the people are looking for him, look where Saul is hiding. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 10, 22, and so they asked the Lord. Notice who they're asking. The people are not asking the prophet. They're asking the Lord. But guess who responds, Pastor Henry? The prophet. Because when the prophet speaks, it's God speaking. Where is this king that you have anointed? And the prophet looks around and Saul, this tall, handsome, dark, tall, dark and handsome brother who's supposed to be the king, rather than standing tall, he's hiding behind the baggage. I love the Bible and the words that it chooses to use. He's hiding behind stuff because when you hide behind stuff, that's when you perform an unauthorized sacrifice. Why is Saul hiding? He's hiding because he thinks he's not qualified. He thinks he's not good enough. He has embraced this idea that God has made a mistake. Anybody feel like God has made a mistake sometimes? Ever look at your spouse and think, mm -mm -mm, I do not deserve this person right now. I don't deserve this job that I have. I don't deserve this life. I don't deserve this house. I don't deserve this car. You look at yourself after God has blessed you and you decide God can do better. 
You think that's humility, but it's not. Slow down, Pastor. You just got here. Take your time, brother. Take your time. When you entertain the idea that you are not enough, at some level you are saying that God hasn't done enough. I know you think it's humble when the pastor comes and says, please do something for the Lord. Oh, pastor, I'm not qualified. 25 years a Christian, I'm not qualified. 50 years in the faith, pastor, I don't know how to teach the Bible. I don't know how to take care of kids. What can you do? False humility. I'm not good enough leads to false humility. False humility is not a good thing. It's not a good thing. I see it all the time. Pastor, I'm not a good enough husband. I'm not a good wife. I'm, I'm a terrible parent. You think that it's okay to say that and it's an excuse. I've been an Adventist Christian all my life. I've been a Catholic Christian, a Methodist Christian, whatever, but I'm not good enough. You wear false humility like a badge of honor, but it's not. Amen, somebody. False humility is not about putting others first. It's about being afraid, making excuses for failing. Oh, pastor, I didn't get the job because I wasn't, uh, it wasn't my time. God, God wasn't doing it for me. No, no, you didn't get the job because you didn't work hard enough. Pastor, I'm still, don't go there. Don't talk about single people. Don't talk about single people. Let it alone. True humility is putting God first. False humility is putting your inadequacies first. I can't move past this. I haven't been a pastor long enough. I'm, I'm still a young dude. I'm like, okay, back in the day, I would say I'm 30-something years, but now I'm 40, so I have to start saying I'm 40 years old. I'm old. First Samuel 13, 8 to 9, the Bible says, Saul waited for seven days. What's going on? What's going on? Saul steps back from the baggage. He, he moves from hiding behind the baggage. He accepts the role of the king. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 13, verse 1, that at the time of this story, Saul has been king for two years. How many years? How many years? Two years he has been the king. That means he has been able to serve for two years as the king of the nation with the prophet of God by his side. You see, the purpose of the prophet was to guide the king was to help him in his rule, was to help him in spiritual matters, was to help him stay on the path and not veer off. One day the Philistines come and they want to attack the nation. The king's assignment according to God was to protect the people, was to deliver them and to expand the nation. And so the prophet says to the king, listen, the Philistines are coming. I want you to wait for seven days. And when I come after seven days, I will offer the sacrifice on behalf of the people. Then you can go fight the battle. So Saul has been waiting for seven days, but Samuel has not arrived. So what does Saul do? Saul goes ahead. He takes off the crown as king, puts on the priestly garments, and he offers a sacrifice. Now, now I know you're thinking... But isn't that okay? Don't, don't we pray every day for ourselves? Do we need the pastor to pray for us? Do we need the pastor to, to be the one to do stuff? It's deeper than that. There are three things, if I have time, that I'd like to share with you that he should have done. I'm going to tell you what he did, but I'm going to tell you what he should have done. I'm going to let you go. The first thing he should have done instead of sacrificing was to live his story. 
Well, what, what does that mean? What does that mean? That means that uh, as, as the people were waiting, the, the soldiers were waiting, and while they were waiting, by the way, there's only 2,000 soldiers for Israel. Saul has 2,000 soldiers. The Philistines have 30,000 chariots. I didn't say soldiers. I said chariots. They have 30,000 chariots. Imagine how many soldiers they have. Let me, let, me, let me illustrate. Let me illustrate. If you were to count the number of cars in the mall, in the parking lot, would you say there's more cars than people? Go, go, go ahead, talk to me. Don't be shy. You got a mask. Nobody can see you. Are there more people or more cars? But when you walk into the parking lot, it seems like, man, there's a lot of cars here. But trust me, there's more people. So if the Philistines have 30,000 chariots, it stands to reason that there's more soldiers. In fact, the writer of 1 Samuel says, the number of soldiers was as the sand of the sea. Saul's soldiers are waiting. I'm an Adventist preacher, so I'm going to assume that Samuel said, I'm going to come on the Sabbath day. I'm going to assume that he gave them instruction on a Sunday. He said to him, I'm coming. On Monday morning, they're waiting. No Samuel. No sacrifice. You see, the soldiers respect Saul as the king, but they depend on the prophet for prayer. They depend on the prophet because he's been there before Saul was. Tuesday comes. Monday blues past. Taco Tuesday comes. Wednesday, Wednesday come. Throwback Thursday comes. Thank God it's Friday comes. No prophet. Sabbath morning, no prophet. The king begins to panic. He sees the soldiers are beginning to leave. And he decides, I'm going to go ahead and sacrifice. He should have done something different. He should have lived his story. What does that mean? If I was him, I would have told those soldiers to hold on. Hold on, brothers. I got something to say. My name is Saul. I'm the king of Israel. I was not a king before. All I was doing was taking care of donkeys and doing a bad job. But here I am. I'm the king. My history tells me that my God got us out of Egypt through the wilderness for 40 years into the land of Canaan. The walls of Jericho came down. The waters of the Jordan parted. Our God can win this battle. I'm a nobody, but God is somebody. But he didn't live his story. Instead, he took over the job of the prophet instead of staying as a king. I'm here to tell somebody right now, the reason that you want to live somebody else's life is because you think yours is not enough. You want to be like so-and-so. You want to have what so-and-so has. Instead of living your story, you are trying to live somebody else's story. I love Instagram for one reason. I get to spy on all of y'all. But I hate Instagram because people pretend to be something they're not. I know preachers keep saying this. We've run out of stuff to say, but it's true. You're smiling on Instagram, but in life you are not. Just when I got used to Instagram, now I got to get used to TikTok as well. You are moving your misery from one platform to another simply because you're not living your story. I'm here to tell you that your story is okay. My name is Samson. I'm from Africa. I have a big nose, nappy hair, but I love Jesus. You sow the seeds of chaos when you overstep the boundaries of your assignment. All of us, the day you were born and the day you were born again, God gave you an assignment. It's that thing that you feel deep inside. 
The thing that you try to press down, the thing that you try to ignore. I don't know, doctor, lawyer, pastor, mom, dad, stay at home, whatever. Whatever it is, God has put it inside of you. But because you can't get likes and clicks and comments, you want to try something else. You keep changing roles and jumping lanes. Bank, river, bank, river, bank, river, bank, bank, river, drown, die. And your spirituality is gone. You create chaos in your home when you overstep boundaries. You create chaos in your job when you overstep boundaries. You create chaos in the church when you overstep boundaries. You are king, you are prophet, and you are priest. Let it be. Amen, somebody. I promise I'm not angry. I'm still excited. Just imagine a smile while I'm talking. Be careful not to offer sacrifices to God that do not come from a place of conviction, but come from a place of control. Everything we do for the Lord should be about conviction and not control. Many of us, we are trying to control the situation. We are trying to control our lives. We are trying to make sure that people don't leave us, and so we throw spirituality at them. Your boyfriend wants to break up with you, and you tell him that's not what God wants. Your girlfriend wants to leave you, and you tell her, oh, but I prayed and fasted for you. The boss wants to fire you because you're bad at your job and you say, but I prayed for this job. You are operating out of control and not conviction. And pastor, before we say amen, we love to do the same thing. We do it a lot when we preach. If there's a girl that broke my heart, I'm going to say something to hurt her because I'm not convicted because I got the microphone. You should not do things for God because you want to control things. Do them out of conviction. Stop blackmailing people because of spiritual things. Stop making them feel bad. Husbands and wives, stop using God to attack each other. Let all the wives and husbands say amen. amen. Uh, happy couple up here. <laughs> happy couple up here. I saw my men scattering from me. So the first thing I want you guys to do when you leave this place, live your story. Be true to yourself. Be true to what God has called you to be. Stop trying to be somebody else. Be you. Do you. Number two, the second thing I want you to do is let them scatter. Let them scatter. Whether it was the fourth day or the fifth day or the second day or the seventh day, Saul is watching his soldiers walk away. He starts to panic. Remember, this is a man who suffers from low self-esteem. This is a man who has entertained his I'm not good enough. As he sees the soldiers walking away, he wants to manipulate them by offering a sacrifice that he should not. My advice to him and to you is let them scatter. Let them leave. Don't force them to stay if they are not driven like you are. You're not listening to me. Is this, is this microphone on? Three things will jeopardize any endeavor. I don't care whether it's a marriage, I don't care whether it's a charity, a business, a school, a, a home, I, I don't care what it is. There are three things that will make that house of cards come tumbling down. Three things. How many? Three. How many? Three. Some of you all are falling asleep behind the mask. How many things? Three. There are three things that will jeopardize anything you are trying to build in life. Number one is delays the deadline moving forward things are not done when they should and you keep pushing it forward and keep pushing it forward delays will cause people to walk away there are people who operate from a place of impatience the second thing that will destroy something is opposition oh some of us have very soft skin 
very thin skin. Anything can cause us to crumble. Anything can cause us to, to give up and to give in. But the third one is interesting. Conflicting ideas. In a group like this where there's beautiful men and women, boys and girls, we don't think the same. We don't see things the same. And because of that, rather than celebrating the diversity, our ideas clash and people leave. I want you to know that Saul's soldiers suffered from the last two. They saw the delay and so they started murmuring amongst themselves. Oh, the, the, the prophet is not coming anymore. The, this is not going to go well. We're going to lose the battle. Because they were like the pagans, you see. When the priest was not there, they thought it was bad luck. No priest, no witch doctor, no luck. And so they said to themselves, it's better to go home. And finally, conflicting ideas. Some of them were there because you see, in those days when soldiers fought, they were more like soldiers of fortune. You kept what you plundered. They were there for the spoils. They were there for the victory. They were there to be seen as heroes. But when the prophet delayed, they realized that, you know what? This is not for us. This is not for us. Some of you are like that. Some of you are surrounded by people like that. Some of you are dating people like that. Some of you, are unfortunately, are married to people like that. You have employees like that. You've got bosses like that. You've got kids like that. When you can't afford the new stuff, your kids don't love you anymore. If you can't buy your wife the Gucci bag or the nice stuff, she don't love you. Uh, okay, slow down. Slow down. I, I, just keep, I just keep it in negative. I'm sorry. It is a dangerous line to cross when you pretend to seek the favor of God, but really you're seeking the favor of men. I love that you are here today. I love that you've come to worship God. I love that every Sabbath you are in the house of God, praising him and singing together with the praise team and saying amen when the pastor forces you to say amen. But if you are here because you, you want the favor of men, you're here for the girl, you're here for the job, you're here for the car, the house, you're not here for God, you're here for you. But do you know what true worship is? The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 6 that when the prophet had a vision, he saw the angels worshiping. The angels were talking to each other saying, holy, holy, Lord God almighty. They were not talking to God. They were talking to each other. They look at God, get awed and amazed, and then they say to each other, holy. Because they were there for God and not themselves. While the situation you are in requires your attention. Everything we go through requires your attention. I have no problem that you've come for prayer. That's amazing. It's good that you're here because something's going on in your life that you want to leave at the altar. It's good that you want to present your struggle, your need, your lack, your inadequacies to the Lord. I love that. I do it all the time. But remember, remember, never forget that you should do it remembering the instructions that God has given you. Too many of us, we are driven by situation and not instruction. What does that mean? The prophet said, wait for seven days. That's the instruction. The prophet never said, if they start leaving, go ahead and sacrifice. Sister Eve, God said, don't eat it. He never said, I'm withholding what you need. He simply said, don't eat it. But she said, I'm going to taste it a little bit and give my husband. And they messed up everything. And here we are with masks on because of sin. 
Here we are aging and trying everything to look younger, using filters on Instagram. That's because of Sister Eve. Uh, and Adam, and Adam, I'm sorry, ladies, and Adam, A Adam messed up. Sometimes you must allow your throne to suffer last for God's kingdom to prosper. Saul should have let them walk away. He should have let them walk away because you must understand that God can work with 300 people. He doesn't need 30,000. God can work with two people. God can work with one person. It was scattering that gave Gideon his 300. It was scattering that God gave, that God received his remnant that rebuilt Jerusalem. It was scattering that God, Jesus, his 12 disciples. Do you know that Jesus started with more than 12? Do you know that? The Bible says in John chapter 6, verse number 66, after Jesus called them out for wanting miracles and buffets from a little boy's lunch, after he called them out, the Bible says that the majority walked away. Jesus looked at the disciples and said, are y'all going to leave me? And they said, where else can we go? We got you only. Let them go. Let them go. Let them go. I said, let them go. Beep, 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 remix, let them go. Let them scatter. Don't be afraid to replace your deacons or your elders. Actually, don't do that. You don't have many of them. You better keep what you got, brother. And now Saul begins to make excuses. We've heard these excuses before. Because when we offer unauthorized sacrifice, it's not anybody. It's not my fault. It's your fault. I'm a terrible husband because you're a terrible wife. I'm a terrible pastor because your members suck. I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm making a point. I'm a terrible parent because you're a terrible child. Nobody takes responsibility. Samuel comes back and Saul is excited. He's actually thinking, I've done a good thing. And when the prophet sees an altar and a sacrifice on the top, he looks at the king and says, what have you done? And so the king offers three excuses that I want to close with. Do I still got time? I, I know we got restrictions up in here. I'm good. Ten minutes? Oof. Lord, help me. Okay, I'm going to work with that one. You're not the pastor, but I'm going to go with that. Uh, 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 fear and anxiety will cause you to react too soon or too late. Fear and anxiety will cause you to react too soon or too late. What does that mean? Let me illustrate. Anybody watch the Olympics last year? Or were you busy surviving? No? I, I didn't watch them either. But one of the stories that made the headlines was a Spanish swimmer who is photographed crying. And I'll tell you why he's crying after I make this point. In swimming, most uh, sports that require competition in athletics, you stand at the block and a gun is fired, then you either jump into the pool or you run. When you jump too soon, that's called a false start. If you jump too late, that's called a late start. A false start leads to disqualification. A late start leads to losing the race. Okay, maybe that one doesn't really uh, 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 track, but this swimmer, he, 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 di he dove, dived, dove, do dove. All right, man, I'm trying to teach my son Bahasa, so my English is all messed up. He, he dove too soon. Normally, you are supposed to be disqualified, but for some reason, the committee allowed him and gave him a second chance. And because of that second chance, that's why he's pictured crying, because he knew what was supposed to happen. Okay, let's find a, a more gruesome example. In war, during the heat of the battle, there's a hierarchy of leadership. 
There are lieutenants, there are captains, there are generals, and such like. And in a battle, there's one who tells people when to fire, when to get up, when to lie down, when to stop firing. And in the heat of the battle, if you don't pay attention to what he's saying, as the enemy fire is coming, as bullets are zinging past and grenades are exploding, and the general or the lieutenant is saying, hold, hold, just hold on. If you make the mistake of shooting, what you have done is given up your position. And when you give up your position, you jeopardize the operation. I hope somebody's hearing me right now. When you give up your position, when you offer unauthorized sacrifices, you are showing the devil your weaknesses. You are showing him things that can use against you. Life is a race. Life is a battle. Stop jumping in too soon simply because you are scared. You are afraid. Wait seven days. Saul replied, second excuse. Saul said, and the Philistines are at mishmash, mikmash, ready for battle. Why did I offer the sacrifice? I offered the sacrifice because you didn't arrive when you said you would. By the way, that was a lie. Remember I told you that Samuel said, wait seven days. Seven days. Within those seven days, the prophet did not appear. Because like Saul, we want God to come before time because we like everything quick. We like our popcorn quick. We like our fries quick. In fact, we are so in a hurry, we drive to the window of the restaurant. We don't want to go in anymore. We make an order. If the food is five minutes late, we complain. If somebody sends a text message or waits for a response, if you don't see those three ticks, you get upset with him. Notice I said him because it's mostly the ladies. No guy is excited when he sees three ticks because he knows some trouble is coming. The prophet said, I'm coming in seven days. But the king got impatient and offered the sacrifice. When you read the context of the text, Samuel wasn't late. In the Jewish or Hebrew economy, the priest was supposed to offer two sacrifices. One in the morning and one in the evening. My preacher's imagination would like to see that the morning sacrifice time came and the prophet did not arrive. And in between the morning sacrifice and the evening sacrifice, the king began to panic because people were leaving. And so as he saw people leaving, he offers a sacrifice and immediately when he was done in sacrificing, the prophet arrives. And then the king says, you were late. No, he wasn't. I know that God sometimes seems like he's late, but I want you to know, that God is always within the seven days. It took seven days for the walls of Jericho to come tumbling down. It took seven days for the flood waters to hit. It was on the seventh day that God rested. It was on the seventh day that Jesus rested after redemption. What I'm trying to say is, with God, every day is the seventh day. Every day is the seventh day. Every day is a seven day. I don't care what you're waiting for. It is seven days. It could be seven years. It could be 17 years. But with God, every day is a seventh day. If he had waited, he would have been blessed. But he couldn't wait because the soldiers were leaving. His reputation was on the line. He cared more about numbers than he did about God. And the final excuse that the king gave is the one we give. The king said, the king said, our enemies are ready for battle. We are not ready. We are not ready. Do you know why the king said they were ready? He said they were ready because there were many. They had, Pastor, their budget is more than ours. Pastor, they've been married longer than I've been. I just graduated, but he's already been promoted twice. 
Pastor, they've got more kids than I do. People are always coming up to me saying, Pastor, so when are you going to have another child? So-and-so's got two kids. Have you met my son? My son is three kids already. That's enough. Amen, wifey. Don't confuse numbers for preparedness. Don't look at somebody else and say, oh no, I gotta cut corners to get where they're getting. So what? They got married in their 20s. Take your time because in your 30s, amen, Pastor Henry, in your 30s, that's when God gonna bless you. Uh, don't confuse numbers with preparedness. The, the prophet says, and, and I, I want you to see the blessing in what the prophet says. It's bad news for Saul, but it's good news for you. Pay attention. I'm going to let you go. I'm, I'm, I'm trying fast. I'm, I talk fast. I'm, I'm doing my best, man. How foolish, Samuel exclaimed. You have not kept the command of the Lord. You have done what you want. Therefore, you are going to lose the kingdom. If you had done what God said, he would have established your kingdom. Your kingdom. For how long? For how long? Look at the screen. For how long? Forever. Forever? You knew I was going to do that. I would have established your kingdom forever. It's interesting that God recognizes our kingdoms. God's kingdom is real, but he also recognizes that you and I have kingdoms. Maybe the church is your kingdom. Maybe your business is your kingdom. Maybe your marriage is your kingdom. Your, your little side hustle is your kingdom. Whatever it is that you got going on is your kingdom. For some of you, you make money from social media. That's your kingdom. God's not hating on you. But the only issue is, is your kingdom standing in the way of God's kingdom? Saul decided by the soldiers leaving, oh no, I'm going to look bad as a king. So let me try to salvage the situation. Sometimes you have to allow the throne, your throne, to suffer loss in order for God's kingdom to prosper. Twice I've said this. I want you to know what happened to Saul, and I'll end. I promise I'll end. Saul was king for two years, and this is what the prophet said to him. This has got to be the worst first job experience ever. This is one of those positions where the whole world is watching. To be crowned as king, that's news for ages. A king is supposed to serve until he dies. Then his children are supposed to take over. Then his children's children. That's how it works. But listen to Saul's fate. But now your kingdom must end. For the Lord is looking for somebody else who is after God's own heart. Do you, do you understand what happened here? Does anybody know how long Saul was king? Pastor, how long was Saul king? 40 years. He was king for 40 years, but he lost his job after two years. Either God is the worst employer or Saul is the worst employee. How do you give somebody notice for 40 years? When you let somebody go, they're supposed to stop doing the job. Isn't that, is, that, is that not correct? I don't have a business I wouldn't know. When you fire somebody, how many, how many weeks do you give them notice? Okay, he's never fired anybody. He's a good boss. He's never fired anybody. That's okay. Usually it's two weeks. My brother, how many weeks? Oh, wow, that's generous. I've seen some people get fired on the same day. Three months. Let's work with three months. Saul was fired after two years, but he gets to keep the job for another 40 years. He gets to watch his replacement, marry his daughter, get praised by the people. He gets to see his own son become friends with his rival. All because he offered an unauthorized sacrifice 40 years before. 
God let him keep the position but took away the power. God let him keep the position but took away the power. I know you think that you got away with it. I know you think that, oh, all is good. I can keep doing what I'm doing. My business is growing. My relationship is thriving. I'm managing to pay my kids fees with this money that I got in evil ways. I'm thriving. No, you're not. God let you keep the position, but he kept the power to himself. God took the power from the king and gave it to a shepherd boy. When King Saul got fired, David was a snotty-nosed kid. I don't even know if he was born yet. God hadn't even found his replacement, but he got fired. Do you know how much somebody wants to get rid of you? To fire you before replacing you? Or because he offered an unauthorized sacrifice. But I said, there's good news. I did promise that there's good news. Because you have not kept the Lord's command. Where is it? Here we go. Here we go. Three things that the Lord said. The Lord impressed upon my heart from this text. Number one, live your story. Don't be afraid to do you. Don't be afraid to live your life. Yes, everybody else's life is zooming past you. Everybody's doing their thing. Everybody's got more than you got. Everybody's progressing. And you feel like God ain't blessed you yet. I want to let you know right now. Sometimes the blessing is not what you receive, but in what you wait for. Sometimes the blessing is not what you receive, but what you wait for. It's like waiting for a cake in the oven. It's like waiting for a, a, a scone, a cupcake in the oven. As you're watching it, it's, it's, it's doing its thing, but it's got to wait a couple of hours. And as it keeps rising, you get excited and you're waiting. And when it's done, you think it's time to eat. No, 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 don't eat it yet. We need to put icing on top. And when you think the icing's on top, God says, wait, I got to put a cherry on top of the icing. And while you're waiting, you're getting discouraged. And discouragement leads to low self-esteem. Low self-esteem leads to false humility. False humility leads to unauthorized sacrifice. So I'm saying to you, live your story. If people are walking away because they don't believe in you anymore, let them go. Let them go. My sister, let him go. God's got a Samuel for you. My brother, let him go. God's got a Samantha for you. There's a Sam for everybody. Amen, somebody. Finally, wait on the Lord. Waiting is a matter of life and death. You don't realize it right now. Life seems normal. Everything seems cool. You married the person that God said you shouldn't marry. It seems to be working out. But one day, somebody else comes along. It's not the right time, but it happens. You got the job. You did the business. You cut corners. You offer the unlawful sacrifice. And God says, I'm coming. In 40 years, in 40 months, in 40 days, I'm coming. Somebody's going to replace you. But that's not your story yet. We still have a chance. Is there somebody here today that says, Pastor, we forgive you for preaching so fast. We forgive you for pointing your finger at us. But yes, there are some sacrifices that I need to live with. I need to buy back my time. I want to wait. I want to wait on God. I don't have what I'm waiting for yet, but I want to wait those seven days. That's you. Stand with me. You're not standing in front of me. You're standing with me. I'm right there with you. Stand to your feet. Let's pray together. Let's pray together. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Dear God, forgive me. In my excitement, I... I feel I rush to this thing. 
But I hope that somebody heard the message today. That unauthorized sacrifices are the reasons that things are not as they should be. It seems as if we have the position, but we don't have the true power. Because at some point we did that which we were not supposed to do. The prophet Samuel said, if you had trusted God, if you had waited, your kingdom, your relationship, your business, your health, your family, your church, everything that you were trying to build, it would have survived you. It would have been passed on from one generation to the next, a legacy of faith. But because you embraced impatience, false humility, low self-esteem, you allowed the devil to come in and now God is going to take it away and give it to a David. Lord, the city of Jerusalem could have been called the city of Saul. Lord, today Solomon would not be seen as the wise man. Jonathan would be considered the wise man. If only Saul had waited seven days. So I'm here to pray for each and every person, including myself. Forgive us when we overstep our boundaries. Forgive us when we take up somebody else's assignment. Forgive us when we live somebody else's story. Forgive us when we keep people in our lives who bring more pain, more hurt than good. Forgive us when we sacrifice when we should not. But now, Lord, as Nehemiah said, as Daniel said, as King Jehoshaphat said, we are waiting on the Lord. Our eyes are upon the Lord. It's difficult, but we will wait. It's embarrassing sometimes, but we will wait. It's lonely sometimes, but we will wait. Because when we wait, it's better than getting it too soon. Heavenly Father, I pray for somebody here that's also waiting for a spiritual blessing. They are waiting for change to come into their lives. They are waiting to move from being a Jacob in Israel. From being a Simon to being a Peter. From being a Saul to being a Paul. They are waiting for the change to come. Let them wait that seven days. Because on the seventh day, the Spirit of God will move in their lives and they'll become like Christ. And so as I leave the stage, with my hand raised up, I pray, dear God, that you would be above them to watch over them. That you would be beneath them to lift them up when they fall. That you would walk ahead of them to guide them in the way. That you would walk behind them, correcting and encouraging them every single day. I pray that you will surround them to protect them until the end. I pray that you will walk by their side as a friend. But above all, I pray that you would be in their hearts so that they can wait upon you and be like Jesus every day. In his name I pray that every blood-bought saint in this place say amen, amen. and amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Yeah, yeah, I know that that word did something to you and you want to respond. And I want to give you the opportunity to respond. The number is on the screen. Reach out to us. To us. We want to pray with you. We want to counsel you. We want to study with you. And perhaps today you're saying you want to give your life over to Jesus. That is the best decision you can ever make. And you can make that too. We are here to serve your needs. We're here to take care of you. And we'd be more than glad to help you transition to the level of faith you need to live. If the Lord has inspired you to partner with, with us in ministry, 
please do the same as well. The account number is on the screen. And please give us uh, any love gift in any amount that God has inspired you to give. And I, I bet and I believe that it is going to take us to the next level of proclaiming the love of Jesus. May God bless you. And I'm going to see you very soon. Take care.